discussions in the last little while, and we're not going to stop talking about it. Uh, we, we definitely want to continue uh, supporting the global workers that are sharing Jesus. And we have been doing that both financially as well as in prayer as we meet online uh, for our prayer meetings from week to week. But uh, it's a privilege to have the Wileys with us. And uh, where is Zach here? Right here. There you are. Oh, I knew I, I saw you there for a bit, but you just kind of blended in. You can come to my church anytime. Just an know. ordinary yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Zach Wiley, and he's going to tell you all about Imagine Thailand and everything else. And if you want to introduce your family, where I know some of them are out and about. So Yeah, they're out and about. Well, uh, good morning online and in person. I'll speak to you in English today as we've been out of Thailand for a few months. And if I spoke to you in Thai, it probably wouldn't even sound that way to you right now. But uh, good to be with you. Uh, I am one of five in my family. Uh, my wife's name is Megan, and we've got three kids, age nine, six, and three. And one of them's over here. That's Eleanor. She's my favorite daughter. And then I've got two sons that are constantly in competition for favorite. And, um, and then I'm their favorite dad, and they only have one favorite mom. So... That's a brief introduction to us. I don't know if anybody ever feels that way about their children, that sometimes um, they want to have a favor, but they're not allowed because it, everything's about equality. So I just want you to know that I often struggle with that as well. And right now, I love them all equally. Um, it's nice to see some familiar faces here, uh, some friends who've actually been to Thailand before, uh, people that I was once sitting in an office with for extended periods of time in a classroom with and then traveling globally with, which is great. Uh, some familiar faces from camp and trailer greetings. And so I, it's nice to be in a place where you recognize some people. And so I just wanted to bring greetings from our team in Thailand to you this morning. And uh, uh, Pastor Michelle's not here right now, but I wanted to let you guys know that one of the things that we're trying to do this year as an organization is find ways to not just keep money inside Thailand, but make sure we support things outside of it as well. And uh, so we want to commit to helping support uh, that Christmas initiative that you guys are doing here. And so we'll be sending you some money uh, from Thailand, and we will commit to praying for you as well. Uh, kingdom is bigger than there or here. It's everywhere. It's from everywhere to everywhere. And so it's fun when brothers and sisters get to help support each other in different places. So thanks for sharing that this morning and the opportunity to, to, to come with you here. As you said, you go with us there. Uh, let's pray and then uh, dive into some things together. Lord, thanks again that you're on the move. I mean, all of the announcements this morning were about things that you're up to and you're inviting us into. And so we say thank you for that this morning, that there are constant opportunities in our lives, with our family, with our friends, in our workplaces, in our schools, to hear you, to see you, to have faith to join you in what it is that you're doing. And would this morning, as we reflect on some stuff that you're doing in different parts of the world, remind us of what it is that you're doing in our, in our own country country, in our own city, in our own community, and right in our own heart, we pray. We love you. Amen. So, um, as was kind of shared with you already, we left five years ago in September um, to a nation called Thailand. It's in Southeast Asia. If you're like, where is that on a map? Uh, look for China. It's a little bit southwest uh, of that, and we're surrounded by a bunch of beautiful different countries. We're a city or a country of 70 million people. 94% Buddhist, 5% Muslim, 
and we're like plus minus just under or just over 1% Christian. And I shared with you a few years ago, and I share it with you again because the statistics are still the same. I'm going to take my my mask off. No, I'm going to leave it on so I don't move my microphone. Um, Christianity continues to grow uh, faster than Buddhism and Islam combined in the country. Uh, In 2019, there was a baptismal service that saw over 2,000 people baptized in one day in some of the tribal areas within Thailand. And so God's on the move in tribal, rural areas, and he's doing things in urban settings as well, and we get to be part of that. Uh, We left here and joined a team of Thai nationals, a few Canadians, and a Brit uh, to work with an organization called Imagine Thailand. And their big thing is, you can turn on the slides if you want, and so I can kind of walk you through that way. Um, the, the big thing that we're all about is building strong communities. And I think that you would probably say that that's what you're up to here. And so as a, a not-for-profit organization that works uh, with under one of the ministries within in Thailand, and so not the ministry of a church, but a government of so, social development and welfare, um, we have to meet all of the standards that the government puts in place for our organization to be able to participate in this kind of work nationwide. But the neat thing is, is we've got a whole bunch of people within our organization whose primary focus as Christians is to introduce people to Jesus. And we get to do that not just through the things that we say, but by the way that we live. And so the organization Imagine Thailand exists to build strong communities, and we do that in four different ways in four different parts of the country. You can head to the next slide. Um, The first thing that we do is community development. And one of the places that we do this is in a, in, a, in a city called Mesot, which is home to one of the oldest and largest refugee camps in the world. Uh, Burmese migrants, predominantly a people group known as the Karen people, who are actually predominantly Christian, uh, were fleeing an oppressive dictatorship and government. They fled to the border of Thailand. They spilled over into Thailand almost three decades ago. And uh, they established a city that was actually bigger than the largest city itself that was in that area. And in 2011, things began to open in Myanmar. And so they began to go back. And the government thought that people would go back, but they didn't go back. They actually stayed. And more people came and started buying property. And a big part of the, the workforce, the labor force in Thailand is actually Burmese migrants. And so Mesot is home to the largest land border crossing into Myanmar. And right now, China is trying to reestablish the Silk Road from China all the way to India. And the city that is being deemed the hub of that in Thailand is Mesot. They're building high-speed rail. They built an international airport. And like I said, the largest land border crossing is right there. But this is also home to the largest land border crossing of those who are being trafficked in labor, and then in sex trafficking. And so our work doesn't, doesn't focus on those who are within the sex trade, but we work with a number of people who are being impacted by the exploitation of laborers coming in. And so in 2008, we installed our first clean drinking water system there. And now to date, we provide clean drinking water to almost a quarter million people within the country. There's over 100 systems that are within Mesot and just on the other side of the border. We do education, we do education, we do teacher resourcing, we work alongside students that are in the area that are Burmese migrants to help give them an opportunity to learn practical skills like trades in framing and in welding. We give them basic training in water purification maintenance uh, so that they actually have something that they can do there. If you head south a little bit uh, into Bangkok, we do something else called leadership development. And we work at one of the, actually the oldest and the first university that was opened in Thailand, and it's called Chulalongkorn University. 
Um, if you've ever heard of the University Harvard before, the term Chula Longhorn University, or the name of that, was named after one of the kings who had established this university and sees it as a pillar of the nation. So years ago, it was a strategic decision when we began doing campus ministry within Thailand to be reaching students at the university that would have the most impact in the country. The best, the brightest, come to this university. If you graduate from this university, you're more likely to get a job, you're more likely to have a higher paying job, your influence is guaranteed as a result of you being here. And so it was a strategic decision by those who went before me to open something at this university that would help reach people with the message of Christ and be putting people who have the ability to influence and impact the nation in places around the country by reaching them while they were at university. So we believe in university campus ministry like this church does. And so in 2008, we opened a coffee shop, the only one at the time of its kind that was on the university campus that began doing stuff like English Corner and leadership camps that were taking place within the university. And then we began leading volunteer trips where Christians and non-Christians would serve together in different parts around the country. And what ended up happening as a result of this was actually a church was planted on the university campus, the first university church planted on campus in over 100 years of its history. Pretty cool. If you head south a little bit more, we're involved in something called education. In 2004, I shared this with you guys last time, the tsunami hit, and um, the local government didn't need more clean water, didn't need more blankets, didn't need more clothes, didn't need more food. What they said that they needed was actually access to safe education for their kids, so they weren't pulling bodies out of the water, looking for aunts, uncles, cousins, and mom and dad, but they'd have a safe place to continue to learn. So we opened a place called the Lighthouse Learning Center, and now there's over 60 to 80 kids a day that come through the Lighthouse Learning Center. We planted a Saturday Kids Club, which is like Kids Church on Saturdays a number of years back. And there's missions trips that are being led with kids out of this learning center, Christians and non-Christians together, to different parts of the country. Our team there is also small group leaders, the worship pastor, the young adults, and the youth pastor. And just throughout the COVID season, I'll share a little bit more of what happened at the center as a result of us being there since 2004. If you head further south, into the deep south of Thailand, uh, is one of the other prestigious universities that exists there. But the deep south of Thailand is home to the largest Muslim population within the country. And up until about uh, 2007, 2008, um, there was a duration of time when really the whole South was just known as a place where there was a lot of bombs and there was a lot of bullets. There was conflict uh, between the Thai government and local insurgents, and so there was a lot of bombs and there was a lot of bullets. And because of the way that God works, uh, a member of our team who was then working with the Canadian government, one of our founders of Imagine Thailand, was able to be part of some of the reconciliation work that was happening in the deep south of Thailand. And they were doing that through installing playgrounds. And so through installing playgrounds, they'd be able to create this framework of opportunity where reconciliation-type talks were able to happen from local imams and government officials. But then, which was really cool, one of the first times that I ever came to Thailand, there was this, a, a group of students from the university, Tula Longhorn University in Bangkok, that came to the deep south of Thailand that were part of a leadership camp that we were doing. And just a few years ago, which was really neat, one of those students who came on that leadership camp from Bangkok actually came to faith. And one of the people who was at the leadership camp from down in the South came to faith a year and a half ago, which was 
kind of unexpected, prayed for, but it happened. And so now in the deep south of Thailand, we've had a team of people working there since about 2012 who have been teaching at a local university, who've been doing English corners and games nights and sports nights and leadership camps that were there. And there'd be teams from Canada that would show up and we'd teach in the different schools and we had an opportunity to begin to show the love of Christ, but then share the love of Christ with people too. And some neat stuff began to happen. Enter an interruption or maybe an interjection, or maybe an intervention, or maybe an interlude. All of us are very much aware of what the beginning of 2020 held. February, the last week of February, I was just wrapping up a really fast trip here in Canada. I was heading back. I had to change my flight a number of different times because there was this, what would later become known and is currently known as this pandemic that was happening. Am I even going to get to be back with my family? Is this thing even real? Like, is it as serious as people are talking about? And through a miracle, really, I made my way back into the country, had to quarantine for a number of days along with my family, and then my family and I... We're locked down like the rest of the nation starting March 15th, 2020. We were the first country outside of China to close our borders to people coming in and people leaving. And a week after the borders closed, we held a meeting, a board meeting, that we invited all of our team to. And a lady named Ajahn Guy, can you say Guy? Can you say Pastor Chicken? Guy means chicken. And so her name is Ajahn Guy, which means pastor, elder, Guy. And she was leading this devotion for us, and she asked us to flip our Bibles open or open our phones to Revelation chapter 3. So if you want to do that, you can as well. Last book of the Bible, right near the end. John is having this revelation uh, being given to him in terms of what's happened, what is happening, and what will happen. And he begins talking to a number of these different churches during that time. Uh, he writes these letters to them. And uh, if you're following along in the text from chapter 2, he talks to a church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis. And then he gets to this church called Philadelphia. And what's interesting is that he's kind of talked to these other churches and he's made it very, he's been very honest with them. Jesus through John is being very honest about some perspectives that probably need to be shifted about some of the things that they're doing and saying that probably aren't the best. And then he gets to the Church of Philadelphia, and if you kind of read up to this point, you're like, wow, man, everything just kind of builds. This last church is just going to get it hard. Like, he's going to nail them to the wall. And instead, something peculiar happens. Chapter 3, verse 8. If you want, you can throw the scripture up there. It's the next slide. It says this, Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, it says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And as she shared this, it was kind of one of those, like you probably have sat in a place before where someone shared something and you're like, that's good. But then it just doesn't leave you. It just kind of keeps on coming back. Anyone ever experienced that before? And so as an organization, we're like, okay, we have to believe that Pastor Chicken has something good to share with us today. 
And that what she shared with us, she's probably spent some time thinking about and praying about. And because we believe in God and God has the ability to speak through his word and speak through people and speak through environment, and maybe God is trying to say something to us as an organization today. And maybe as an individual, God is trying to share something with me here today. And so I asked our team, hey guys, let's think about this for a little bit and then let's figure out what we got to do with it. Because what's the point of hearing something and doing nothing with it? Behold, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And so as an organization, we began asking ourselves the question, Lord, what is a door that you've opened, I hope I don't buzz, that you've opened that no one can shut? And what we discovered as we began to ask that question is that there were a lot of doors that we had kept open as an organization because of history, and tradition, and a good narrative of the past, but really had no place in the present or future of where we were going. And it was kind of hard, because there's a lot of tradition and story that's connected to that. We don't, we don't want to do it, but it's kind of like a storage room that was just full of stuff that we really weren't using and hadn't done anything with, and we were kind of like hoarders. Anyone? Admitting being a hoarder. And what was happening is because we were so focused on doing these good things in other places, but weren't really seeing much fruit from, we were failing to see the door that God had opened that no one could shut. Anyone ever experienced that before? We're so focused on a door that's being opened, which is good, but he's saying that you don't even need to go through that door anymore. That's actually a door that you open because I'm gracious and I go with you. I said, yeah, let's go there. But behold, a door that I opened that no one can shut. Lord, what would it look like for us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and the faith to trust you to walk through the doors that only you could open in a season when people are closing doors? In a season when we're looking for excuses to do nothing, inclusive of us, oh, it would be good to rest. Maybe the door that was open was to rest. And we needed to stop doing so much. And for some, that was exactly it. And yet for us, we found ourselves welcomed into a season that we didn't fully expect. Actually, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that to you. Shouldn't we expect God to do kind of unique things? We even have like pithy statements like obstacles are opportunities. Like I believe that. But then it's like when the opportunity comes, I'm like, whoa, slightly uncomfortable. Whoa, new door. Uh, no one's doing it. I just like consuming I'm okay to contribute to something that somebody else has created, but me creating opportunities for other people? No. But behold, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. God, help us see the doors that you've opened that no one can shut. Give us faith to close the doors that were great for then but aren't for now or the future. And give us the faith to run through whatever that looks like right now. And so let me tell you a bit about what happened behind us. Next slide. 
So we're doing this building strong communities, education, leadership development, community development, and discipleship because we want to see people come to Jesus. And COVID hits and everyone's like, everything's closed. We're locked in. We're locked down. What do you want to do? Behold, I've opened a door that no one can close. Oh, two weeks after COVID shuts down, one week after this Pastor Chicken gives this word, we open a student church in the Muslim city of the South, the first university campus church plant that this university has had in 74 years of its existence. And 14 students show up to the first service that's hosted online. Our team in Takwapa, where our Lighthouse Learning Center is, sends a message to family of theirs who has a sewing shop that's being shut down because they sew school uniforms, but they can't sew school uniforms because the schools are shut. So she sends some sewing machines to Taco Pines, and the governor, like two days, one day, it was like a day and a half before the country shut down, our director in Taco her name is Thak, say Thak, Thak is meeting with the governor of the province and of the city that we live in, and they say, hey, the country's closing. Can you make sure that your center is prepared to become the distribution point for the rest of the city here? Food, clothing, water, this kind of stuff. We're like, us? Duh. There. What do we need? Well, Thailand mobilized one million volunteer healthcare workers. A million. And all of those healthcare workers needed masks. We didn't know, like, do we need these kinds of masks? Do we need face shield masks? Do we need gloves? Do we need hazmat suits? What do we need? We need masks. We've got a sewing machine. We've got a center that can't open in the same way that it was before. We've got people who know how to sew. We've got students who want to learn how to sew. There's some people in the community who want to learn. Let's sew. 13,000 masks later. Clean water systems delivered to peoples fleeing on the other side of the border. Some are now estimating that up to 100,000 people in Myanmar are gathered along the border of Myanmar and Thailand because of a dictatorship which is bombing its own people along the border of Thailand and Myanmar. And through partnership with Nation to Nation, which is doing some really neat stuff in Myanmar. We said, we want to help those people that are on the other side of the river. So let's make portable water systems that these people can carry through the jungle. So we found some DIY water systems and made 150 of them that would serve 12 people per day with enough water. And the hospital, field hospitals there said, can we use those water systems to help give water to the patients which are being served in these field hospitals because we don't have a local hospital that has access to water purification, clean water. Said, awesome, sounds good. Another one of our partners said, we need mosquito nets and soap, and we need basic, this, this natural things that fight COVID. Do you guys have any farmland that we could use to plant this stuff to then encapsulate it and send it there? So there's like 150,000 pills that naturally fight COVID from the area sent to the other side. Right now, at the Lighthouse Learning Center, when we're only allowed to have seven people in the center at a time. Seven students times seven times a day, times seven to nine hours of the day. Students are rotating through the Lighthouse Learning Center because the schools were closed, but we were given permission to stay open. In Bangkok, three months after COVID locks us down, 
the largest growing online education platform in Thailand says, hey, we want to help you guys do something. You guys are always doing these neat things. Do you have any dreams or plans? And we said, actually, we'd love to be able to help the kids in the slum community that's around our coffee shop and recording studio in Bangkok. They're like, no problem. Let's do something. So we launched the only education program happening in our community and in our direct area, which is home to almost 2 million people and had almost 100 volunteers, most of them non-Christian, two of them came to faith. During COVID, when everything was locked down, kids were still having access to education and coming to faith. Behold, I've opened a door that no one can close. Next slide, please. 1,400 liters of soy milk, which makes like tens of thousands of soy milk to migrant homes and local communities. There's a ton of Burmese migrants which are in Myanmar that couldn't go back to Myanmar, and their schools, because they weren't Thai, were closed. So they didn't have access to their daily allotment of food, daily allotment of milk, access to education. And so through donors like yourselves, we were able to help support soy milk, which is protein-rich, to help make sure that the students there, the teachers, and even people in the community were able to get there. The British Women's Club, of Bangkok said, hey, we've got 350 blankets. It's like winter, cool season coming. This was the end of 2020 into 2021. Said, do you know anybody who needs access to like this kind of stuff? And you're thinking, blankets, Thailand, come on. Are you real? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have that. Like, we don't know the people you know, but you know them. So could you do this? Yeah, no, no problem. Like I said, carpentry and welding certificate programs, water system maintenance training for students who would otherwise enter this, this system of exploitation because if you don't have experience in a job and then you enter into the labor industry, then normally your work permit and your passport is taken from you and then you make less because you're a Burmese migrant and so you don't have your work permit and passport anymore because this person's taking it from you and you're getting paid half of what everybody else is paying or... You get training and certification that has discipleship built into it, so you have a practical skill and you know who you are identity-wise, so you can get paid more than the other people that are there, and you have a certificate to say that you actually know what it is that you're doing. During COVID, behold, I've opened a door that nobody can close. Next slide. What was super cool uh, Jim and Denise, my mother and father-in-law, uh, for the last number of years have been leading, leading this team of like the greatest wave of missionaries this world has ever seen yet. Baby boomers, we'll get there. Come, come to Thailand, like days before the country finishes, closes, complete the world's fastest kitchen design installation in human history. Maybe not. That's a bit of a hyperbolic statement. Okay? But it felt like that. And we were like, we need to open this kitchen because we're trying to be, become a Montessori which self-funds ourselves so that we can continue to do the ministry and don't have to ask North Doug for money every month. And all of a sudden, we built this kitchen and the country closes. And we're like, dear God, what are we going to do? The door is closed. And he's like, oh, just wait. All of those healthcare workers who need masks and all of those people in your community who are out of food, they need food. Over 100,000 meals prepared and distributed. Behold, I've opened a door that nobody can close. 1.2 tons of food? This is crazy. The local church there said, hey, you guys know the community better than we do, and we're the church. I was like, oh. 
we are the church together. But yes, what would you like? They're like, how about we give you food and you distribute it to the people that you know need it? And we're like, okay. And then the local mayor, not to be outdone, was like, oh, if the church is giving food, we want to give food. So whatever the church gives, like we'll give that and then some. And we're like, all right. He's like, and then you can distribute it. Like, okay. So our team stocked with food from the church and the community, heads out into the community and says, dear Mr. Mayor, like, you know, we're Christians. Do you mind if we like talk with some people? Do we have permission? He's like, yeah, just make sure you're wearing your mask, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. Cool. So we head out into the community and have the opportunity to begin to distribute food on behalf of the local government and the church and ask people, uh, do you, is there anything that we can pray for? Like, people were healed. People came to Christ as a result of partnership between the church and the local government and a small organization that's just trying their best to hear, to see, and to in faith walk forward. Behold, I've opened a door. And then at the end of last year, the country kind of opens a little bit and we're like, it's actually 2020, at the end of 2020, we had almost 100 days of no cases in Thailand. Everything was locked down and we're like, woo, this is going great. And then 2022 came and everything went down. But the end of 2021, our team in Thakwa is like, hey, um, we do Christmas parties every year. That's why I love this. And I made an executive decision. My leadership team trusted me to find a team we prayed. And they told us today, this, this, is, this is why we're going to give it to you. Because we do Christmas party as well in the community. We understand the impact, the small expressions of love, the opportunity to share not just with our words, but with our deeds. And so we hosted a Christmas party. And again, the local governor at that time says, hey, well, I want to give bikes to kids. So he gives bikes of things there. Another person who for the last number of years has given like 100 pounds of chicken. Like that's a lot of chicken. Like a bunch of chicken. Other person just gives us a whole bunch of rice. A church in Bangkok says, hey, we'll put together gift, ba- gift bags and we'll mail them down so that everybody there can have gift bags. Like cool. Again, this is crazy. COVID's closed everything down, and all the schools have been closed. And the Muslim school, one of three in town, hears that we're doing a Christmas party. And they're like, hey, you know, like, remember two years ago you came and did a Christmas party with us? And we're like, yeah, with the students who weren't Christians and students who were Christians telling the Christmas story and giving presents out to you and sharing. That team? Like, yeah, that team. I just didn't, I, I, they didn't actually say that. I just wanted you to know that we did that because I'm pretty proud that we did that. Okay. Anyways, this school is like, would you be able to do something again here? And so my staff there, back my friend and like superhero lady says like, yeah, um, how do you want to do it? Like, well, we've been closed, but we'll call all the students back to the school so you can share that Christmas story again. Okay, behold, I've opened a door that no one can close. I just thought that was really neat. Next slide. And schools are closed. This is one of my favorite slides because it's us. Schools closed. But for us in our local community, we live in an apartment complex with like 20-some different apartments. School was closed for our kids, but school was open. We, Megan and I taught kindergarten, no, preschool, kindergarten, grade two and grade three. And led an organization through a pandemic and restarted personal training, doula, business stuff like three times because we opened and closed through it. And our son went from, our third kid went from like a one and a half to like three-year-old during this time too. It was like, can you say 
H-E double hockey stick on live feed? Can you reinterpret that? That's what it felt like sometimes. And at the same time, like super cool. Because within weeks of it closing down, it was spring break. So our com- Megan's, Megan's like, hey, guys, hey, like apartment community, let's do a two-week spring break camp. And so we all get together, and someone says, we'll lead pool sports. Someone says, I'll do crafts. Another one says, I'll do singing and dancing, like literally singing and dancing, teaching the kids how to do this kind of stuff. Other person was like, I'll do activities. Megan said, I'll teach everybody how to play baseball in a Walden community. And so there she is up there. Easter shows up, and we're like, we do Easter parties. We've been doing Easter parties since our kids were zero. And we're like, we can't miss an Easter party. And the people in our community know we do an Easter party all the time. And in the past, we invited the school to come. And the last one that we did when the school was there, over 100 kids from our kids' school came to our apartment complex to celebrate Easter. And so we hosted Easter and Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff. And this is like super cool. You can't see it there, so I'll read it out to you. That's Megan. I know it's kind of like PG-14 because she's wearing, and that's me. And that's our friend. And um, they brought this certificate to our house. I know we're not supposed to be like prideful. We're supposed to be humble people. But this is cool. It says, awarded to the Wileys for community citizenship in times of sickness and health. Awarded this 11th day of April 2020 at Palma State. So people in our community, in our apartment complex, who are locked in with us, just thought it'd be cute to give awards to the different people who were doing stuff there. Because it wasn't an opportunity to be closed in. It was an opportunity to go out. And so Megan starts doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday workouts with the people that are in our community. Sometimes there's five. Sometimes there's 15 people. I was like feeling it. I don't know if anyone was feeling like COVID-19 was like a different kind of 19 for me. And I was like, I need to do something about this. And so I started a club called DadBots. It's a new term. And uh, we started working out five days out of the week. I know it doesn't show because I've been in Canada for a few months. And on Wednesdays, we were doing biking in the mornings. On Saturday, we do long bike rides then. And on Sundays, we did community bike rides. And so we'd invite all the people in our community. A few times, we had like almost 20 people, kids and moms and dads, biking around these like closed streets of Thailand because of the pandemic. God opens doors that no one can close. Amen? All right, next slide. So... I share this scripture with you from Pastor Chicken or a Gen Guy earlier. And I share it with you today because the impact that it had on me then and the impact that it has on me now isn't a whole lot different. I'm still captivated by it. I still feel like my posture should be, Lord, what are the doors that you've opened that nobody can close? Give me eyes to see, ears to hear, and the faith to walk through them. And I'd like to believe that I'm not the only one who hears that and feels that. And I'd like to believe that during this last season, that I'm not, that we're not, this small group of people just trying to be faithful, an incredible team of Thai nationals who are the backbone of what it is that we're doing, and some struggling foreigners trying to serve them along the way, aren't the only ones who has seen God open doors that no one can close. Amen? And if we're like, that's not my life, it can be. I haven't seen that yet. You still can. 
then that invitation to follow God into places and spaces that only he can bring us exists for all of us. And we sang songs about that this morning because we actually believe that what God did then impacts what it is that we do now. We'll call our musicians up and we'll ask a few questions to you as we come to close today. I mean, our prayer for you as an organization, and I can promise you that every Friday this happens because our team at Thakwapa, the learning center that does the Christmas parties every year, who is helping you support the Christmas party that it is that you guys want to throw here, every Friday night they host a prayer meeting for our organization and the people who support who we are. And so your church is prayed for by name every Friday by people that you've never met in a language that you don't know because that's how big God is and that's how much you matter to him. So our prayer for you would be that he would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and faith to trust him in the walking through the doors that he's opened that no one can close. So I ask you, what doors do you need to close that you've left open Or maybe you just need to walk away from. But they were open because of a good historical narrative, but maybe have no role to play in your life today or the future that God's writing on your life. What doors have you been knocking on that are actually keeping you from seeing the door that God's opened behind you if you just turned around and looked? This extends beyond our church walls. It's deeply personal. This isn't about North Doug Church. It's about you. It's about me. In our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our vocations. Behold, I've opened a door that no one can close. And so we continue to pray for you, as I said, every Friday. And we thank you for praying for us, for giving to us, and for coming to see us when you can. I want to remind you that your faithfulness as an individual, not just as a church, your faithfulness on this side of things challenges us to do the same on our side of things. And hopefully our faithfulness on that side of things gives you courage and bravery and inspires you to hear and to see and to walk through on your side of things. So let's inspire each other. Let's push one another towards those open doors to have ears to hear, to have eyes that see, and to have faith that trusts and moves. We're going to sing a song. It's kind of become the anthem of this last season. I love that it kind of came and stirred in this last year. And it speaks of who God is, not of who we are, but of who he is, of the things he's capable and able to do that no one else can. And and, and that's the kind of life that he invites us into. In John chapter 14, he actually says, you're going to do everything that I did and more. And if you read that portion of scripture, he talks about the Holy Spirit who comes and fills you and gives you what it is that you need in order to fulfill what it is that he's called you to. 
And so this isn't some like cheesy song that we sing just because it sounds good. And when we all sing it together, it makes us sound, sound good. But it's actually true. He is the miracle worker. Everything that I shared with you is because of who he is and what he's done. And he invited us to take part in it with him. And he invites us today to take part in what it is that he's doing here and now. Not just in our country, not just in our city, not just in our community, but in our own lives. When he said, I came to give life and life that was full, it wasn't some tweetable, cheesy thing that would go good on a t-shirt. Full life. It's true. The way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, the sense of fulfillment, the destiny, the purpose that comes into our life as a result of knowing who he is, what he's done, and what he's still doing. And so we never stop. We never stop because he's the way maker. And so we look and we listen and we ask for the faith to follow him through the doors that only he can open and no one can shut. Jesus, I thank you that you have the ability to speak and you've given us ears to hear. And I, God, I pray for all of us, those who are maybe hearing about you for one of the first times, those who have heard about you for a lot of times. God, I thank you that you can speak to the individual who is saying like, we're like, really, God? You, you can do all of those things? You did all of those things? And you want to work in and through me? And that you, you actually think that I can be part of something like that? Lord, would you speak that right now into hearts that are full of disbelief, that are full of fear, or thought, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that was good. That, like, maybe if I was that age, I could have done that. But no, Lord, I pray doesn't matter, age, race, gender, Lord, faith to believe that you can move and speak in and through people today. God, that those who are far from you, God, that you would bring them near to you right now. Lord, for those who have known you forever, or at least they feel that way, I know this and I've heard this before. God, I pray that they would become champions of pointing other people's ears, other people's eyes towards seeing and hearing what it is that you've done what it is that you're doing, and what it is that you want to do. God, would you partner those two things together, fear and faith? And would we see you, miracle worker, in our country, in this city, in this community, and in our own hearts, we pray. We love you. Amen. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you.